Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good and his love endures forever. His love endures forever. Would you say that with me? His love endures forever. This is a great day for us to be together in God's love. And if you've happened to be away for a while, what a great day to come back. His love endures forever. And wherever you're making your connection with us today, one of our physical campuses here in South Florida or across the nation, around the world, we're so excited to say with you, his love endures forever and to welcome his love. And today we're counting our blessings uh, because this is, um, well, let me count one of my blessings. Pastor John Churchill, who spoke to us last week, he's now in Germany with his family. So Pastor John, if you're watching us from Germany today, we bless you and invite God's love to embrace you and all of your loved ones there. And then we also count our blessings today with our resident artist, Isis, who uh, is responsible for the beautiful original artwork that you see on display before you in our gallery. Um, I gave her some text that we would be going over in this series and then just invited her to uh, be creative and let us see what was happening in her spiritual journey as well. So I pray that that'll be a blessing to you and as I thank God for ISIS today. And then I also, uh, speaking of um, original art, I need to tell you, I received uh, on Instagram, my daughter Corey had posted uh, some artwork done by my grandson Cedar. Here it is, this is turkey art. Um, and she says, loving this little turkey that my little turkey made at preschool. Not sure what happened to his other eye, but Cedar was pretty excited to tell me. He has one eye, mommy. So I'm pretty excited to tell you too. I think I see maybe a little Picasso in the making here. Um, but I also understand that Corey, her family, Daniel and Weston Cedar, you're connecting with us. So love from Pops today as you're joining us to worship and thank you for the art that you bring for us to share together today. Um, as we continue these amazing sayings of Jesus, the I am's of the Gospel of John. Uh, one of the most famous doors in the world. You know what it is? St. Peter's Basilica, the holy door to St. Peter's Basilica in Rome. Only the Pope can open this door. Did you know that? But every year, 10 million people, million, 10 million people pass through this door. That's 50,000 people a day. Pretty famous door. The largest doors in the world. You know where they are? Right here in Florida. NASA Vehicle Assembly Building at the Kennedy Space Center where the uh, space shuttles and the Saturn V rockets were uh, put together. The Saturn V was the rocket that took the Apollo mission and human beings to the moon. So those are pretty famous doors, largest doors in the world. The most ancient doors, oldest doors in the world on record, 3,500 years old, discovered in 2010 by archaeologists in Luxor, Egypt. And they say it's a false door that all tombs, um, Egyptian tombs, most of them had one of these doors. There was, uh, it was considered a door to the afterlife for the spirits of the dead. And then uh, the doors of the most secure building in the world. Do you know what that one is? How about Fort Knox, Kentucky? Fort Knox, Kentucky, United States Bullion Depository, protecting 4,580 metric tons 
of gold bullion. It's worth $190 billion. Now the doors on that vault are secure, don't you think? Now these aren't them, by the way. Uh, they don't show those doors to anybody. But uh, they give you the idea. These bank vault doors weigh 22 and a half tons and they offer protection and security to all of the contents of that vault. Now, it just makes me wonder, what are some other doors that matter in your life? Like maybe the door on your mother's refrigerator. This matters a lot, right? I mean, all the goodies that she makes this time of year, they're all right inside that door, right? And then on the outside of that refrigerator door, that's also like the art gallery, the hall of fame. that We put all the achievements out there, the artwork, all this kind of stuff. My mom's refrigerator door, your mother's refrigerator door, maybe your refrigerator door. One of those special doors in your home. I'm thinking for parents, you might say that any door that protects your privacy at home, that's a special door. Like the door to the bathroom. Or the door to the bedroom. You know, special doors. I'm just telling you, doors are significant in our lives and significant to Jesus. Jesus said this, I am, I'm telling you the truth. That means you can underline this statement and take it with you. I am the door for the sheep. And then just a little bit later, he, he repeats it again. I am the door, and whoever enters by me will be saved. Verse 10 comes immediately next. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. So, the word Jesus uses for life in these sayings, and we've learned this in the Gospel of John, is the word zoe. It means more than biological life. It means a spiritual quality of life, a quality of meaning and purpose on an eternal plane. It's a higher plane than biological life. God's spiritual life has an eternal quality about it. Now, human biological life is affected by sin. This is what the scripture tells us, that biological life stops living when our bodies die, but God's quality of spiritual life is eternal. What that means is it never stops living. It's always alive. It never stops being alive. This is the life of God's self-existent life that he's talking about, and Jesus says this, basically, I am your access point to God's spiritual life, safe and secure. So, Jesus makes these seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, and this is number three. We started with, I am the bread of life, and what he means is, I'm the nourishment essential for you to have that quality of eternal life. And then he says, I am the light of the world, the illumination that is necessary for you to find your way. And now number three, I am the door. I'm the access point to God's spiritual life for you, safe and secure. Now the context he's speaking to was so familiar in first century Galilee. I mean, in the city, 21st century, we don't know an awful lot about sheep, but every person listening to Jesus, they know about this. This is familiar to them. They probably, they know how every night, how vulnerable sheep can be in first century Galilee. That uh, a shepherd, they, in fact, they probably knew somebody who served the night shift, that this was their job, 
and they know how this job is done every night for these sheep. A shepherd that served as a gatekeeper and as a bodyguard for sheep. Because at night, sheep would be gathered into a pen to try to protect them, protect them from the weather, from wind, from rain, from lightning. We know about that stuff in South Florida. To protect them from thieves that would try to steal lambs in the middle of the night and to protect them from predators. Now, we, we know about those in Florida, too. I mean, every so often, one of these stories shows up in the news about some gigantic gator that made off with somebody's pet, you know, and just took them out. I'm telling you, in... In Israel, shepherds could also lose sheep to wild animals. Only there it, were li it was lions, it was bears, it was wolves that would attack these sheep. So at night, the sheep would all be gathered into some kind of safe space. It would either be a cave or a, a, a shed or an open area where stones could form a wall. And then the shepherd, because there would be no gate, the shepherd would lay his body down in the front of the cave as a, uh, or the opening of the pen as a gateway or a door into the pen so then all the sheep inside could feel safe and secure. The shepherd was the access point in and out and the security guard that kept everything safe and secure. And so the sheep would sleep better at night instead of being vulnerable and at risk knowing that their bodyguard was right there. And that's the promise that Jesus is making in this statement. What he's saying is, I'm here for you. It's a metaphor. I'm here for you as an access point to God's spiritual life, safe and secure. Now that matters, doesn't it? Because anybody who's been in a scary place, and I'm telling you, our world is a scary place. Lots of threats, Lots of risks in our world. In fact, there's so many of them, we try to mitigate against them in every way we can. We try to mitigate against weather threats with, uh, or physical disaster with insurance, like windstorm, flood, you know, for hurricanes that happen around here. Then we have homeowner's insurance to, uh, to mitigate against break-ins or against robbery and try to address that one. But those are about physical, material needs. We know about those. Jesus is saying, now, come with me into another plane. When it comes to spiritual life, the quality of spiritual life that, is, that never stops living and is safe and secure from those who would steal, kill, and destroy, I'm your door. That's what he's saying. He's saying, my body will fill the opening in the pen so that you can be safe and secure. And he's speaking in spiritual metaphor. So what Jesus tells us in this statement, Paul actually underlines in his letter to the Ephesians. He gets right to the point. Chapter 2, verse 18. Speaking of Jesus, he says, through him we have access to the Father. Safe and secure. Jesus came to show us God in the flesh. Have you seen this? The greatest moment in history was not when man walked on the moon, but when God walked on the earth. That's what Christmas is celebrating, by the way. I mean, this is like, blow you away, stretch your mind to the end of itself, and then it way into your imagination. But the gospel of Jesus says that God, in his fullness, 
chose to enter into our story and into our space so that we could experience his fullness in Jesus. And he didn't do it just for show. It's like, look at me, see what I can do. No, he came to open a way. This is Jesus, he's saying, I'm the door. I'm opening a way that you can get to God and that you can get, and God can get you to a safe place in him. John chapter 10, verse 8. Here's Jesus using another familiar figure of speech in first century Israel. He just said, come in and go out. It's like saying, somebody says to you, how you doing? Yeah, I'm coming in, going out. You know, it was like a figure of speech that just meant, all's good. And this is what Jesus said, whoever enters through me will come in and go out and find pasture. So coming in, going out was a Jewish way of describing a life that is absolutely safe and secure. He's saying, when you can come in and go out without fear, then your land is at peace, your home is secure, your life is safe. And Jesus is saying to them and to us, when you place your life in my hands, then you are beyond worry and fear. You'll sleep better at night knowing that your bodyguard has got you covered. Let me put it this way. I sleep better at night when the cares and the burdens and the anxieties and the fears start piling up, I sleep better at night knowing that Jesus is my bodyguard standing at the gate. But it gets even better than safe and secure. Verse 10, I mean, even in this world where thieves steal, kill, destroy, and Jesus says, I've come that you might have life. That's Zoe. That's that quality of spiritual life. And God, and Jesus is saying, I want you to have it all the way to the top. You know, some of you top your you top your tanks off, right, with gas, it top off. Sometimes you top your appetite off in the middle of the day. Between meals, you just need to top off a little bit, so you're just going to go have a little snack and kind of top it off a little bit. Jesus is saying, when it comes to spiritual life, I'm going to keep you topped off. That's what this is talking about. You're going to have God's quality of life. Maybe you're not experiencing that. I'm telling you, that's what spiritual growth is. That's what discipleship does. It helps you know that he is there to fill you, to protect you and then to provide for you so that you will be filled and topped off whatever danger you're facing. So we're not just getting protection, we're getting provision. More than enough, full to overflowing. So we're safe, secure, and satisfied. That's what he's talking about. And so in Ephesians, Paul also underlines that one for us. Chapter 3, verse 20 now to him who is able to do, that's Jesus Christ, immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Would you just say that much with me? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. That's what Jesus is talking about here. I'm the door. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you so that you'll be topped off beyond what you know. That's what spiritual growth is. We grow there. According to his power, not mine. I'm not good enough or strong enough to pull this off. But his power is at work within us. Now, this is true about me. Is it for you? Sometimes it's hard to know who to trust in this world. And honestly, I sometimes wonder if I can even trust myself. Kind of relate to the Sticks song. Some of you might remember the words. Every night I say a prayer in the hope that there's a heaven. And every day I'm more confused as saints turn into sinners. 
All the heroes and legends I knew as a child have fallen to idols of clay, and I feel this empty place inside so afraid that I've lost my faith. Show me the way. Show me the way. It's like this lost sheep in the middle of the night who's vulnerable to predators and has threats coming down and saying, can anybody help me? Jesus said, I am the door. He's the door into safety. He's the door out of trouble and despair and danger. And he's the door waiting for you, available for you. Now, when I worked with David Ring uh, doing evangelism across the nation, I met a pastor in Ohio. And that was back in the time when Citizen Band Radio was really popular, CB radios, you know. What's your handle, good buddy? Some of you might remember that. Sounds pretty cheesy and corny, right? Well, wait till you hear this. The pastor at that Ohio church was really into it, and so you ask him what his handle is, he says, doorknob. So I'm trying, I try to keep my poker face and go, oh, you know, I mean, it's like, but I'm thinking, who would want to be called doorknob, right? What's your handle, good buddy? Oh, it's doorknob here. And I said, well, why would you want to be a doorknob? And he explained to me, you know, Jesus said, I am the door. And I just want to make it easier (laughs) for people to get to him. And to get through him, suddenly it made all kinds of sense to me. He just wanted to help people find Jesus as the door so they could be safe and secure when they know they're in danger spiritually. And he wanted people to be able to follow Jesus and help other people find their way to the door, just as he did, out of trouble and into safety. Here's the bottom line. When you feel exposed, when you feel abandoned, when you feel at risk or distanced or uh, insecure, then Jesus says, to know me is to enter into a safe space. I'm the door. And then guess what? Once you get inside that door, you're going to be cared for in such a personal and awesome way. And I can't go there yet because that's his next I am statement. That's the next time we come together. But once you're on the inside, one thing you can do is help others find their way to safety as well. Because the world is full of people like us who who know what it means to have to mitigate threat and deal with fear and suddenly find ourselves in a dark place and not know what to do next. Kind of like, you know, we, we hunger for a way out, but we don't know what out is. We just know it's not where we are. I was talking to one of our deacons not so long ago who was telling me how Christ has brought him freedom and peace. And and then in his own words, here's what he said, quote, a certain daily source of truth to combat and repel the enemy as he, it is always spiritual warfare. Here's Scott Pertigan. Okay, so I'm going to share with you uh, my story, uh, and it starts with my mom, 
who, uh, when I was uh, a young boy, uh, affectionately would call me Scooter Magruder. And that's what, because I was a very hyper child and I used to uh, run around everywhere and I had what they would call ants in my pants. And uh, I was hyper both in my body and I was hyper in my mind. And I was always you know, thinking about the future and I was either in fantasy or I was in fear. And, um, and that's just the way my mind worked. And that pattern continued into my teenage years and into my 20s and 30s and into my adult life. And uh, I was never really present because I was always thinking about the next thing I had to do, the next day, the future, or I was thinking about the past. Then externally, um, I say chemically, uh, I was also never present. And that was because I was always in what I call a slightly altered state. And uh, that would either be I was out entertaining, I was out drinking, I was out celebrating, and it was either the next day or it was during those times. And when I was young and in college, I made a decision to drink and uh, those decisions turned into patterns as I got older in my life. And, uh, you know, I was just always had a beer in my hand, always had a glass of wine and that habit became a pattern. And eventually over time, that was how I coped. That was how I dealt with life. That was how I enjoyed life. But ultimately uh, that stopped working for me. And I began to withdraw from life. Um, I, uh, I, I began to withdraw uh, in my marriage, in my parenting. And uh, I got to a place that, uh, that is called uh, hopeless and incomprehensible demoralization. When I was drinking, you know, the alcohol brought me a lot of comfort and ease. And, but eventually that comfort and ease turned into powerlessness. And when I got into that place of what I call hopeless and incomprehensible demoralization, one of the byproducts of that was not being able to see what was happening to my life. Not being able to see that from the inside, you know, I was being ripped apart like wolves, you know, on a fresh kill. You know, that, um, that my family life, our home life, that my marriage, um, could not withstand the impact and the effects of what I call Hurricane Scott. Like a thief comes in and steals your hopes and your dreams. You know, Shelly and I had hopes and dreams for our marriage and for our family, and I was not present. I was not aware that the thief had come in and stolen those. And, uh, you know, I was not the father, I was not the husband that what should have been at the gate to fend off and stop that thief. But by the grace of God, because he's faithful and because he provides a solution in recovery through doctors, through therapists, and then in his word through Jesus, the door to the solution, today I'm able to recognize, recognize the storms, recognize the wolves, and recognize the thieves and stop them and protect my wife and protect my marriage and protect my children and leave a different legacy in my life. When you're in it, you don't see it. My wife had mercy on me. 
My children had mercy on me. My family had mercy on me. So, you know, that's a very integral part of me being here today. They modeled the mercy that the Lord shows to me and to all of us, and, uh, and they trusted in God. You know, Shelly trusts in God, I trust in God, and then it goes like this. So I wanna make sure I share that because that is, uh, that's key. It's not all about me. It's about my wife, it's about my children. And it's about them trusting in God and trusting the process because recovery takes time and it takes a lot of sacrifice. I have a simple prayer. And I used to have very complicated prayers, but I have a simple prayer now. And that is, God, I trust you. Jesus, help me. And then I take the next step. So when that comes to fear in the future, I just give it to the Lord. When that comes to shame about my past, I just give it to the Lord. You know, getting back to uh, uh, Scooter Magruder and that young boy that could never take a nap. And, you know, I could never take a nap in my teens, in my 20s, 30s. But today, um, today, a good day for me, a good weekend for me is a nap on Saturday, coming to Christ Journey on Sunday morning and worshiping and serving and taking a nap on Sunday. And, And that gives me a lot of comfort and ease. I'm always available if people want to compare notes and, you know, hear more about my story. If I can be helpful or useful, I'm always available. Give thanks to the Lord. For he is good, and his love endures forever. Um, Scott's a life that's been changed. And I'm so thankful that Scott is here today, this morning. And I want to thank you, Scott, for sharing your story with us your beautiful family for sharing your Scott with us. And he doesn't want the attention for that reason, but for the reason he said in his story, I'm available. From Hurricane Scott to Doorknob Scott, I guess to help anybody who would like to talk further or have some private time comparing notes as to how it happened and what it means. And so I hope that somebody will take advantage of that today, maybe you. And toward that end, I have two prayers that I would offer to you. Maybe one of them fits where you are in your journey. Would you bow with me? And then if this matches the cry of your heart, then maybe these words could help you. Jesus, I turn to you as the door, my way out of trouble, my way into safety, my bodyguard. Be that to me in my life with my troubles. Forgive my sin and fill me with that life abundant that you promised. 
thank you for hearing and answering my prayer. Amen. Now our heads still bowed. Here's the next prayer about being of help to someone you know. Perhaps this is the one for you today. Lord, use my life, my story. Use me to be a doorknob, to make it easier for someone to find you as their way out of trouble and their way into safety. Help me be sensitive to others' needs in a way that I can help them find their way to you. And maybe now you have the face of somebody you love coming to mind that you'd like to pray for. A spouse, a child, a parent, a family member, a friend, a business associate, a colleague, a schoolmate. The reason they've come to mind is because God wants to hear and answer your prayer for them. Would you ask God to help them find Jesus as the door and then to use you in the way that helps the most? And now, if you prayed with me for the first time to ask Jesus to come alive in your heart and forgive your sins and fill you with his salvation, and you would let me ask God's blessing upon that decision, I'm going to ask you uh, to simply raise your hand and allow me a moment to look around this room. Kendall Campus, we're there praying with you as well through your pastor. And then online, there's a place where you can just click and say, I'm, I'm raising my hand. And so for all of us right now, Lord Jesus, for every person who my uplifted hand is saying, I'm open and I'm coming through you as the door, we pray that you would, by your promise, fill them with your peace and assure them that you will never leave them as we make our prayer in your name.